Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to take a look back at one of the greatest premiership finals ever. We'll be chatting all things Lions from Alan Wynne Jones' injury and Connor Murray replacing his skipper to the issues in South Africa at the moment. And we've got one of the key men behind Quinns' premiership triumph, Jerry Flannery and Big Jim's nemesis, Saracens player of the season, Tim Swinson is on the show. Ooh. So make sure you've subscribed to Spotify and open your cloth because we've got some dissecting to do. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. How's your week been, boys? I'll get you straight. Hell of a week. Hell of a seven days, Andrew. It all started, didn't it? On Tuesday, for me it did, where I promised myself and the millions and my wife that I need to be down there Tuesday, the calm before the storm, the live show on the Wednesday, just to wet the whistle and... I went overboard again. I indulged <laughs> too much on the Tuesday night at the Wolfpack bar, watching the football, watching England. We did, I mean, watching Scotland suffer their loss in the Euros. So I did. I, I was thirsty. I was excited. I did the stag do six o'clock in the morning, 10 pints of Guinness responsibly. Rock up in Ibiza, you're absolutely bollocks and you, you've missed two days. But nonetheless, how good was it to be at a live show on Wednesday? I'll answer the question. It was unbelievable. So as we speed through that, we can talk about other stuff. Weekend at the rugby. I was there. Friday and Saturday, I was with the Famous Grouse, Andrew, and I know I spoke to you about them on the phone. What a company to work for. The Famous Grouse. Um, I had a wicked couple of days with them and their ambassadors. Matt Dawson, Jamie Heaslip, um, Shane Williams, Gavin Hastings. Just five rugby legends I put myself in that of the British and Irish Lions I don't know why I was there but I was there's four British and Irish Lions there and Jim Hamilton were you the security the chaperone all I'm saying is if Gavin Hastings is there and he played in the amateur era when it was black and white TV <laughs> my good self was more than qualified to be there but no jokes aside I was there at the game at the weekend and I've had a, a brilliant week things are getting back to normal <clears throat> a bit hoarse from the camel I mean just uh, from uh, just <laughs> talking a lot and interacting and socializing again which felt right it feels it feels what I should have been doing for the last 18 months obviously you can't but I mean instinctively inside you know like that's me that's 
that's who I am, is I'm a people person. And I've absolutely loved the last week. And like we mentioned before, I will never take for granted the busy life that we had. So yeah, I've had a brilliant week. I've uh, been very lucky to have been to the match at the weekend to see the British and Irish Lions live against Japan. But then it's to family man, isn't it, after that? And they, they just put on the brave face that I'm all right. <laughs> but I saw a picture that Shane Williams put on Instagram. He'd fallen asleep in a chair somewhere. What's wrong with you, kid? It's trying to break the habits of lockdown, which is around that time in my house. I go away to the bedroom and, as Bet calls it, it's the gym half an hour where I meditate. Basically, I fall asleep. I'm absolutely ball-bagged because of the excitement. To get away from the kids, I go up and I close my eyes and read my eyelids, which is an unbelievable book to read. There ain't a lot on there. And silence. And it, that was, it was a hard thing to break, that was. So everyone was asking me what I was doing. I said it was meditation. And uh, I basically got out of work for about an hour. Goody. We did the, uh, the old live show Wednesday night, which is amazing. It was great to be able to... felt like a rock star. We had a green room and everything. But basically, it took a good two, three, four days for me to bounce back. And I'm back today. One of my highlights was you, the arm wrestle. Oh, I, could, I forgot hey. about that. I put him through the table. He was ready. <laughs> he he was so... I could see it in his eyes. He was so hungry for victory. I'm like, I've just got to build up his confidence there. I just let him flip my arm over. And he actually thought I tried. That's the best thing that happened to me in the last two years. We'll get into the Premiership final shortly, but there was huge news around the British and Irish Lions at the weekend with Captain Alan Wynne-Jones, who's played in every test on the last three tours, being ruled out with a shoulder injury, and Connor Murray replacing him as skipper. How big of a blow is that to the Lions, lads? Oh, it's big. And it's obviously very sad. And I was there when it happened. Uh, obviously saw it live, saw the mechanism. A lot of people were saying it was his wrist. You know, the mechanism is definitely that of going overboard and getting cleared out. Mentioned John Welsh, Jasper Visas uh, in the season. I've been in that position myself, of course, like a human question mark. The Japanese were very physical around the breakdown and it was almost like a nothing thing. You know, Alan Wynne-Jones isn't that great overball either. He's just a bit of a nausea, isn't he, slowing it down. But for me, it's a huge, a huge blow. Not just because he's a good player, uh, because of his leadership credentials and... He's obviously been the front man going forward for the tour. No one else has really stood out. Me and Andrew, because we love our ruggers, were chatting about it on the phone. I know he's got his feelings on Conor Murray thinks it's a good choice. I don't really know. I always feel like you need a forward, a bit old school, especially to go down to South Africa. It's a huge blow. And I think you've got to feel for him as well. It is a huge loss. The flip side of it is you have to crack on. You know, you have to now say, well, that is parked. And Conor Murray's named as captain. There's... You know, slots available across the team, but second row, someone's got to step up and, and be that dominant physical character in the row that Alan jones was going to be. How hard? Mate, he is hard, isn't he? The guy's hard as nails. It is an absolute horror when you do it. It is so painful. And he's, you can see, he's in a lot of pain. And he's he's even come out um, of the changing rooms to watch the lads uh, finish the game without a sling, obviously trying to hide arguably how serious it was. But... Mark of the man. He must be absolutely gutted. But, you know, when it's all said and done, not that his career's over. And who knows what's going to happen if it isn't as bad as it could be with surgery and all that. You know, first test, second test. We don't know how the lines are going to unfold. You know, we don't know what other injuries. Um, you know, if that is the end of his Lions 
career. You know, there's another four years. I ain't writing him off ever again, is all I'm saying. There's, a, there's <laughs> nice. obviously a Lions tour in four years. Nice, I am James. not sat here saying that Alan Wynne Jones will not make that tour because, well, let's say it, because if I do say that, he probably will. Alan <laughs> Wynne Jones, that's it. That's the end of your Lions journey. But I hope it's not. What I'm trying to say is he might get back. You know what I mean? They might fly him back out there. Who Can you knows imagine? what's going to happen? How good would that be for everyone if that did happen? If he, if it wasn't as bad, you know, I think it's a dislocated shoulder. And some people, he's he's the kind of warrior that could recover really quickly from that. And I'm, you know, you never want to speed anyone through. But if there's anyone that can do it, I'm sure Alan Wynne Jones is the man. Um, that'd be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Imagine that third test. It's you know one test apiece. You need big Alan Wynne. He comes on, kicks the winner, or does something to get the winning penalty. That'd be a great story. Are you surprised that Murray's taking over the captaincy? I am. Are you, James? Are you? I am, yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And Who would you have then I'd, instead? So you, you're well, surprised? This is the thing, isn't it? I'd, I'd have someone with captain credibilities in the bank. Not that I don't rate Conor Murray. I absolutely rate him. He's clearly a world-class player. Again, I'll be honest, I didn't even have him down as a nailed-on starter. So that yeah. obviously shows how much I know. I actually thought Ali Price was brilliant when he came on. I thought he was brilliant. I know it's Japan, but that being horrible to them. I know, you know, the Lions look very comfortable in the first half. Um, but I didn't have him as a, as a nailed-on starter, not because he's not good. Obviously, he, he's a world-class player. But I've not seen him be captain before. But I don't know him that well. I've not, you know, I'm not on the inside. Gatlin knows. Gatlin makes the big decisions. And um, like you said, who else is there? A Jamie George or, or or a Ken Owens? Is he a nailed on starter? I don't think so. Well, that is the worry going into the tour then, isn't it? Because of the experience in the pack in terms of leadership and, you know, being able to put on, put your foot on the ball and slow it down or speed it. Like, they, you know, like we've all been in matches, haven't we? Where, you know, if you've not got the captain, you need the vice captain to step up and make them big calls. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? But like, I think that that's the thing. It's That's why there's a mixed response around Conor Murray it's not me saying he shouldn't be captain you've convinced me otherwise like there's other people I've read I'm like well actually yeah like I get that but if you yeah. look at it that is the slight worry isn't it that's where that's why we've all that's why we all went with Alan Wynne-Jones as our captain yep. because there weren't anyone else like Faz after Bigaroo's performance at the weekend I thought he was absolutely sensational yeah. he's a starting 10 now so is Farrell going to play 12 oh, I don't know well that's, so, the, that's the thing isn't it? so when you're looking at international captains from the Six Nations you've got Stuart Hogg who can't get in his club team at the minute. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Yeah, but he's captain at fullback, so that doesn't fit your kind of uh, rhetoric around it should be a forward. Is he going to be the Lions 15? Possibly. You know, Owen Farrell's the other one that's captain England. It wasn't a very successful Six Nations. And, you know, you go back to Refgate and all that stuff against Wales and how he handled stuff. You know, is he going to be the starting 10? You don't know that. So for me, when you said it then, you actually said it, you sometimes need someone to put their foot on the ball, slow it down. Jim, Conor Murray's the ideal man. He's got the experience of... Uh, you know, previous Lions tours. He's the next most experienced player, I think, in the squad behind Alan Wynne Jones. You know, he's Gatlin's right hand man. I think he started he start all the tests in New Zealand. I'm pretty sure he did. You know, he's got a huge amount of experience. He's a calm character. He's got control of how the team plays. I th that's why I think he's, when you're looking at the squad, there isn't another standout person where you go, like people are going to go on oh, Mara Toji, but then Mara's not captain the team yet, has he? You're convincing me now about Conor Murray. He's also a 9 out of 10 good-looking bloke as well, isn't he? Yeah. For someone who lives in Ireland and hasn't seen the sun, he's a good-looking man. <laughs> um, so all these things marry up. But let's be honest, that's the worry then going in. You look at the experience of the South African team and some of the players that they've got across the ball, 
Um, across the board, is that a saying? Board. Across the board. Okay. Yeah, let's say across the board sounds so much better. Um, that's where the worry is, isn't it? So I think, like Goody said, everyone wants Marrow or has wanted Marrow because of the the romance around Marotoji. He's a guaranteed starter. But yeah, that's the crux of it. Look, I'm look, I, I'm happy that Conor Murray's captain. It's obviously not great for Ali Price, is it? <laughs> he's fighting for one position now when you hear that. But like you said, the experience and the history that he's got, I'm with you. And there's there's, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we get to the test matches. But you know, people look at it in two different ways. And I, you, you know, you look at this Lions squad, and I think it's really exciting the fact that right now, everyone's struggling to pick a nailed on Lions 15. There's... Probably five players, I reckon, that are nailed on starters at the minute. Whereas you go back to other test tours, go back to the 05, Sir Cliff Woodwork, whatever you want to call it. He took his test team to one island. He sent the Shags to another island. The Shags had a better time than the test boys. But he picked the test team before the Lions tour even started, hadn't he? And he made it. What a cowboy. (laughs) There we go. So I think it's actually really exciting that you're looking at this squad now and you're going, these warm-up games are going to be massive because... So many people are vying for a starting slot on the on the on the test matches because there is so little to choose between some of them. You know, Bigger put his hat in the ring to be the starting ten at the weekend. I thought Conan was brilliant the weekend, and yeah. you know, people are saying maybe Falatau is definitely nailed on to be number eight. You know, there's there's players that are going to have so many opportunities if the tour carries on in its full capacity. We're hearing about possible changes that it's all to play for these lines test slots, whereas. Years gone by, you go in, well, we know the test team. We know probably 12 or 13 of the test team before the, the first game's even played. So um, it's that's why I think it's really exciting. And Justin Tipperick, he's been uh, ruled out with a shoulder injury as well. So Josh Navidi and Adam Beard have joined the tour. Any surprises with those two? Not now that I've heard the news around James Ryan. Um, he's got a groin injury. It looks like he wouldn't have been able to train or fly or, or play. They don't know how long he's going to be out for. Um Adam Beard, I was surprised. I'll be honest, it wasn't the name that I thought of. No, no one had him in the squad. You know, Johnny Gray's got to be hard done by. He has to be, naturally. But again, look, Gatland, let's be honest, he's got history of picking the right people. In any tour that we've been on, and regardless if we like it or not, and I know I'm speaking about my mentor in a really good light here, is he picks the right balance. You can look at it and say, two Welshmen for two Welshmen, uh, I think Tipperick's a big loss. But yeah, this is the thing. This is the worry, isn't it? You play a game against Japan. Everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to play a couple of games. Tipperick weren't meant to play, was he? Hamish Watson was meant to play. Pulled out in yeah. the week. So it's just sod's law, isn't it? I, f- I feel for Tipperick off the back of that. But opportunity for Josh Navidio, I think, is wicked. You know, Adam, Be- Adam Beard, when you look at it, you know, he's a bit of an old school second row man from me own art. He's a big lump. Is he better than Johnny Gray? I don't think so myself, but, you know, Gatlin would have looked at the tape, the coaches would have looked at the tapes, and it is what it is. It, it, it almost seems like Johnny Gray's not even being looked into it massively. I think Adam Beard, from what I hear, shored up the line-out. You know, James Hamilton was going hard at Wales's line-out for the last 18 months, and it was, I think he said it was a disgrace at one point, which is harsh, but Adam Beard obviously managed to fix that with big Alan Wynn, so, um, yeah, I think he deserves his shot. But, yeah, Johnny Gray will feel hard done by. Well, let's talk about the game then. Did we learn much? I'd say we didn't learn masses, but what I did, it did reinforce. Duan van der Merwe, my God, he's absolutely massive, isn't he? Yeah, he's massive. Yeah, he's, to me now, test starter on the wing. Josh Adams as well on the other wing. Hell of a finish for his try. Yeah, mate, it was great, wasn't it? I was absolutely loving it. You know, the, uh, all the red jerseys that, that were littered about, 
in the stadium, out the stadium, the players with it all on. There's something really special about it. And uh, yeah, I, I thought the first half they were brilliant. I thought they, I thought they rocked up the emotion around the game. That they, they took it to Japan. Poor Japan. They ain't played a game. Is it since the World Cup they've not played a game? Yeah, correct. They've had, to, they've had to self-isolate as well when they've come over. And you've got that coming at you. You've got me old Duan van der Merwe coming at you 100 miles an hour. You've got Robbie Enshaw, who's absolutely obliterating your left, right and centre. <laughs> Bundyaki as well. The Sheriff, Ken Owens, I thought was really, really good. Looking for a load of work. I thought Jack Conan, like you said, was, was awesome. Ty Byrne couple of flashes of brilliance is wheels is wheels on that line hell of a line he was pointing yeah. to me in the crowd as he went through and <laughs> his kick downfield he, he threw a ridiculous offload but he's one of them players that i think is close to a starting jersey i think yeah. that if you can tighten up a few things um rory sutherland quite quiet i thought in the end ty furlong a little bit quiet it, it weren't really a front three a front five game i thought japan very physical I mean, albeit the scoreline, then they rocked back. Himeno, oh my God, Himeno off the bench. Some of their players. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, out of all the the, the games you'd want to play in a, in a warm-up, it wouldn't be Japan. Like, I thought that before because I was wondering what, what team would turn up. But really physical game. They obviously got back in. But I, I thought the Lions looked good. I thought they looked, from where I was sat in the Royal Box, uh, I thought they looked in control. Their shape looked good. They were physical in D. Uh, I thought Carl Sinclair, when he came on, he looked like he had a bit of a calf strain. But anyway, nonetheless, he, I thought he was brilliant when he came on. He was physical in the in the, in the the tackle. But in the forwards, I think the standouts were Jack Conan. I thought he was brilliant. Ken Owens, I thought he was brilliant as well. And uh, Ty Byrne did some world-class stuff as well. Henshaw and Aki in the centres, I think you're going to do well to break that down now as a, as a combination. It looked right, didn't it? It looked yeah, it like, did. as in the size of them, um, Robbie Henshaw, how good is he in D? And that physical element. So it'd be interesting to see where Farrell fits into the mix. Does he play 10? Does he play 12? Elliot Daly's down as a 13. Chris Harris as well is obviously there as a, as a centre. It was a good day at the office. Well, hopefully we see some games down in South Africa because we've got Vincent Cock, Kershaw Yankees, Sibi Nikosi, all tested positive for COVID in the Spring Rock camp. And South Africa have moved up a step into a much harsher lockdown. Any concerns for the tour at all? Yes. Yes. Naturally. Because I'm not worried about the Lions because they are, like everything you hear, are going to be tight, watertight. Spoke to Jason Leonard at the weekend. He's like, they're either going to struggle to get out and play golf and these things because of having to test everyone that's out and about or even close to the Lions camp. So I'm not worried for, in that sense, but there is a real worry, isn't there? Because South Africa are meeting up, obviously, just now, as we know. Lads flying in from all different places, from UK, from France, obviously South Africa. They're there because South Africa as a country is not well equipped to deal with the situation, as we know, um, with the history around their country and everything involved around the vaccines. There's a, I tell you what, there's a genuine worry that there could be some issues on this, isn't there? The fact that the lads have got to play a number of warm-up games against different teams, and we've seen, you know, the Scotland A and the England A game was was canned as well. It just takes one or two for that breakout to happen, and then for you to play a match. We've seen that in the Premiership. Two weeks later, a game gets canned from the team that got COVID two weeks before in the lead-up to that. It's it's worrying, isn't it? Because it's not as if now it's just like, oh, okay, well. You know, if there's COVID, we're just going to get on. We're nowhere near that stage yet. So, I don't know. You know, could it just be three test matches and 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 they 
completely lock it all down. We know there's no fans at the stadiums. That This was always going to be the worry and the risk. I think the big thing around it is initially they're going to try and move everything to Cape Town, aren't they? Um, because Gauteng, where they're supposed to be based, is uh, there's a massive uplift in COVID cases there. So it's, it is very high risk area. So apparently there's talks of moving everything to Cape Town, moving all the test matches there, which actually could benefit the Lions. And I, you know, I don't mean that in a flippant way because... For anyone with um, understanding and knowledge of South Africa, Cape Town isn't at the high veld, whereas Joburg, where they were supposed to play two of the test matches, is. Well, Gudi, you mentioned the excitement of the Premiership final. Was it the best one ever? Yes, I think it actually was. You know, and I, I don't say that lightly because obviously I played in a few. You know, We saw some unbelievable games. I'd go back to Jim Hamilton securing a match-winning penalty for Saracens coming off the bench. But yeah, this final had absolutely everything. It, it was the best Premiership final we have ever seen. You know, the ebb and flow of the game, the way Quinn started, um, you know, obviously scoring early on, then, you know, eventually going 12 points up, then extra bounce back, score two quick tries in in six minutes to, to take a two-point lead again. And it looked for all love and money that Harlequins were done, dusted out on their feet. And it was seemed to be probably only a matter of time for for Exeter to really turn the screw and, and then go on and win the game. And it just took one moment of fast against slow, supposedly, you know, electrifying guy, fresh as a daisy coming off the bench against someone that's put in one of the biggest shifts you've ever seen last week and again this week. Stuart Hogg breaks through from uh, a, a, you know, a, a box kick from Danny Kerr that was 10 metres too long. Quinns didn't seem to have a lot left in their legs and oh my Joe Marler pulls out the most unbelievable kind of late tap tackle dive, last ditch, try anything to get. It was all right. It was all right. Like, it was unbelievable. It was just so Quinns, wasn't it? And, you know, we've all got to eat a lot of humble pie. You only need to go back sort of six, eight months and everyone was bored of rugby because it was a kick fest. Now look at what Mark Smith, Alex Dombrandt, Lewis Liner, Joe Marchant was phenomenal as well at times. They're just putting the ball in space and finding weak shoulders. They're offloading game. They just never knew when they're beaten over the last two weeks. And I think it's an unbelievable trait to have. And again, looking at that Harlequins team, how many big names are there in that team? Joe Marler's a big name. Danny Kerr's a big name. Um, you know, some of the top, top players, Marcus Smith, young kid come through the academy. Lewis Liner, young kid come through the academy. Um, you know, Tyron Green played really well again. Youngster, I know he's come over from South Africa, but it, they're not massive names, are they? They've found things within themselves that no one else outside of Harlequins would have thought was possible. And you can only credit Billy Millard, all the coaches, Adam Jones, sweating profusely, love it. Um, imagine the sweat on Adam Jones over the last few days, drinking for three days. Um, you know, Nick Evans, we had him on the pod last week, Jerry Fennery, they're all proper top blokes. And you know they've found something within that Harlequin squad from all the players coming through, that there there is a, a real culture and belief. And we questioned it on the pod a few months back, didn't we? I remember questioning Laurie Darrenpool saying, you know, you talk about the Quinn's DNA, but what is it? Because, you know, it's this attacking mindset, we'll score more than you, but it's not won you anything. Well, now it has. The Quinn's way has won them the league this year and you can only credit them. How impressive was that performance, given the emotion that was tied into the semi-final win? I'll put my name to it. Um, in all the sport that I've seen and played in, at the tap end, that is the best semi-final and final I've ever seen in any yeah. sport, in anything, in anything that wow, I've ever seen. Wow, that's big, Jim. You're a proper well, Quinns fan now, aren't you? I'm loving it, mate. I'm a Harlequin now, and genuinely, their jersey's very good. They're sponsored by Adidas. It kind of marries up with me. 
genuinely, going back to Goody's point around it being a kick fest and, you know, rugby's been through a tough time for a number of reasons. Um, we don't need to go through them, the headline ones. But the testicle that they put on, the spectacle that they put on, <laughs> Harlequins, I mean, and the summer rugby argument and the weather conditions that we've seen, some of the performances from Bristol's this season, uh, watching the resurgence of Leicester again coming through. But mainly, like Goody said, the way that Quinns are playing. Like I'm happy, I'm loving, I'm buzzing being involved with, with rugby and, and watching that unfold. And again, mentioned it before, I'd hate to be playing in that. In the heat, sweat bellowing down. I would have tackled Hoggy like Marla did, I'm sure of it, <laughs> even if, albeit a tap tackle. But it's um, like, I, I just think for the evolution of the game, is is fantastic and they're two of the best games of rugby we've seen all credit to Quinns on it all but the one thing with Exeter is they'll I think they'll be frustrated and it is someone like Rob Baxter who was absolutely class in his interview with me Jim the way he spoke afterwards mm. um you know he said it's all about Quinns but they'll be going back and they've had this dominance haven't they for for the last couple of years um you know they know that Saracens their biggest supposed rivals in terms of winning trophies are coming back in the league next year they were expected to win that final by everyone, except for anyone that was associated with Harlequins. Um, and it will really sharpen their minds about how they go about their business next year. It will really hurt Rob Baxter um, and, the, and the players. And they'll come back stronger for it as well. And it'll be, you know, the Premiership's going to be unbelievable again next year. It's the best league in the world. Best rugby union league in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, we can have a chat now with one of the men who led Quinns to Premiership glory at the weekend. Former Munster and Island hooker, now Quinn's coach Jerry Flannery joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Uh, Jerry, uh, you're not. You've, you, you, you've just lied. Yeah. You're not. Hit us, mate. We can hear the kids going mad in the background. You're sweating like mad. What's going on? I'm frazzled, man. It's two days in the piss, show. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is like a head of cabbage, so I'm, I, you might have to be a little bit delicate with me. Two days on it. Uh, is a hell of an effort. Good stories, good vibes. I mean, it's great to be able to be, be out drinking with the lads again, especially celebrating something as monumental as winning the Premiership at the weekend. Yeah, it was it was awesome. We um we were straight on it in the dressing room. Like I didn't realize like the, the, some of the lads had they had cigars, they had whiskeys, they had like I think Danny had a special pair of goggles for the for the champagne for the, like they they were that prepared. <laughs> of course. And um, we went from there. We went back to the stoop, and then we had a. Uh, then down to the cabbage patch, and I don't know what what time we got out of there. Then yesterday, I think the players players rocked down to Brighton, and uh, all the staff. We went up to the the ship in Wandsworth, and we were there till I don't know what time. It was, it was awesome though, some crack. Fully deserved, uh, Jerry. Just talk us where it ranks in things that you've been involved in in your career. We, we were chatting about you last week, actually, watching the emotion from that semi-final, obviously having Nick Evans on last week. And a lot of people are thinking, including ourselves, but many people thought, well, you know, have they played their final last week and the week before? I mean, just talk us where it ranks and the emotion around the group of young coaches that you've got at Quinns, but in what you've done in your career. Um, I, I, to me, it, it was it was pretty, it was just phenomenal, man. It was like, you, you couldn't you couldn't write it man it was like a movie and the good thing about it was that like it's it was a real team effort there was no one person who could say that they were the reason that 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 we won it was every single person in the club I genuinely mean it like it's not like a cliche i think like uh i know i know you boys are tight with guzzy and and, and he's he's my mate you know so like i was i was i was pretty angry man when i was very angry when 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 guzzy left and um you know i was real disappointed for him and I didn't really know which way things were going to go, and and I listened to you boys because I know you're tight with him, and I, I felt like he had a, you were 
pointed around Harlequins as a club. And, and like, listen, I, I grew up in Munster. Like, I, I played there for 10 years. I coached there for five years. So the culture of Munster is, is they look at a club like Harlequins. I would have looked like a club at Harlequins and I'd said, like, these guys are so arrogant, you know? They're so arrogant. They just think they're so good. But when it, when it comes together, like, you saw what, what, the, what they can do. It was phenomenal. And but everyone everyone has to take has to be accountable and take responsibility for for what they're doing in the club. And unfortunately, that wasn't happening when when Guzzi was there. You know, it was all being left on Guzzi, and Guzzi Guzzi was the guy who went. And then the players, you know, every every single person in the club just just pulled together and, and owned their own area to to a level that you know it was just phenomenal. Like the if you look at the resources that we have as a club, and you look at the resources that other clubs have, we shouldn't be winning the prem, but we have, and now now we can lay a foundation. You know. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And you talk about resources and some of the young kids coming through that have had such a massive impact. Lewis Liner, obviously one of the big stars at the weekend. But one of the things that I've noticed in the last two weeks at Harlequins, and it's something that perhaps has come over from Munster and, and kind of epitomizes you as a coach and as a bloke and the other guys within the coaching setup is just a never say die attitude. You know, you don't know when you're beaten. You look at the semi-final against Bristol, you know, 28 nil down. You look at the final at the weekend when Exeter hit you back with those two quick tries and it looked like they had all the momentum, but bang, you come back and, and win the game. Uh, and, you know, you were dominant towards the end. Where is that sort of attitude where you never seem beaten and you don't know when you're beaten come from because it wasn't there earlier in the season and it's something that has won you the premiership effectively isn't it yeah it's 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 like i said it's not down to one person it's literally the players just have this unbelievable belief and externally i, I can see why people can dislike harlequins because they seem arrogant but man they back it up those 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 players back it up and you know i, I spoke to snap about it like and i said it can be viewed as arrogant and he goes well, we, we call it swagger you know um, and I was just the, it's the players man the players just they, they just don't they just don't know when they're beaten you know they just keep going and, and they make rugby look so easy at times that's the thing they just make it look so easy how they score tries so um, I think a lot of the credit is down to those boys you know it's um, they've created a, a really strong culture and it's a unique culture it is not it's not a monster culture it's not Saracen's culture it's unique to Harlequins I don't know if you could replicate it anywhere else. And I think that that's a big learning for me from coming over here is you, you don't try and force a culture on a place. You know, you, you, it has its own identity. And to be fair to Billy uh, Millard, like Billy, Billy, Billy was a big driver in getting Owen Eastwood in to do all this work. And, you know, like I naturally, I look at this and I go, oh, that's fluff, that's fluff, you know, but it's actually, it's, it's probably the most important thing we did. And, uh, and I think that, allowing the players to, to really drive it. They were so empowered. They were so accountable every week and they were just a pleasure to coach. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned about the culture because it is something that we've spoken about and I'm happily put my name against my experiences playing with for Quinn, against Quinns. Uh, listen to Alex Sanderson in the lead-up to uh, to playing you guys as well. So it's kind of out there in the domain, the way that Guzzi obviously left. So it's really interesting that we're actually speaking about this. And again, something we spoke about last week in terms of, I noticed something different watching you guys and watching the emotion and watching how real the relationships, not just as coaches, but the young lads had with the older guys. Billy Millard mentioned it when he was interviewed both last week and this week. And let's be honest, Joe is a huge character in the game of rugby, just both on and off the pitch. It seems like they've managed to find a way to bring him in and let him have a little bit of ownership. Obviously, spoke at half time of the game, flew in via chopper last week. I think that that's the important thing, isn't it? Like, not all cultures are the same. 
Guzzi comes in, it's all about defence and getting off the line and being hard and smashing them. Whereas you you spoke about this week, Quinn's DNA is bringing a Danny Care, bringing a mass to the, the final because he thinks they're going to win it. You know, it is throwing the ball around. It is flying Joe Marler in via helicopter. Do you know what I mean? It is like these kind of different things, these quirky things that make a team. I just think it's really interesting. So my, my question is around the influence of Joe Marler and getting him back on side and, and Danny Kerr, there was question marks whether he was going to stay at the club. Obviously, Mike Brown's leaving, but we saw he was front and centre of lifting that trophy and rightly so for what he's done for the club. But guys like Joe Marler, Danny Kerr, like the backbone of the team, like they've been phenomenal the last couple of weeks, especially. They have. And it's been it's been really, really helpful having, having the likes of, of Danny and Joe... Joe Gray, Will Collier, guys who were there before, you know, like Snap was there as well, but he's not a player now. But they were able to really bring it back to what what they felt. This is this is this is the culture of Harlequins. It's about like Harlequins isn't a place. You know what I mean? It's it's not a place. Like when Munster win, any any guy that lives in Munster goes, oh, I can I can I can row in behind that. Harlequins is more the spirit of how they play the game, and it's very easy to go away from that and to and to to try and build your game plan around what you see as this is the conventional way to play rugby. This is the way that, that this is these stats, you know, that this is how, what wins games. But Danny and Joe really, really believe in the Harlequins way. And that's, that's how we played and that's how we trained. And, you know, all of this stuff, you can't replicate it elsewhere. You need those guys to do it. And and, and they were front and center and driving it. And, uh, you just have to take, you just embrace it. You embrace it and, and, and try and add in the places that you think you can help. One of the big things that's obviously come out this year uh, after Guzzi moved is you guys taking over uh, as a, a kind of group of coaches. Uh, we're hearing over the weekend that Tabai Matson um, is possibly coming in as head coach. How do things change the dynamic of things? Obviously, you guys have been part of that decision. I know it's not been officially announced yet, but you must be looking forward to working with him as well. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know how things will go. I think we've probably all seen that, like people owning their area, because we let's let's be fair on it. Like when 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 Guzzi left, we we kind of had a bit of a free shot, you know, as a coaching group, because the expectations when 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 a club sacks the head coach are pretty low. So you know, I don't know if that would have been the case if we didn't ha- if we don't have a head man next year. I'm not sure if if the expectations are go- are going to be a lot higher and. You know, they, they generally fall on, on the on the top guy and Guzzi was the guy who took the fall earlier in the season. How the dynamic is going to evolve now with, with a new head coach coming in, I don't know. I don't know, but if we stay true to what, what worked this year and uh, and just generally just let the let the culture evolve rather than trying to change anything or make it all about like if new head coach coming in and making the culture about him, it's not going to be like that, you know. Billy and Laurie and, and the boys won't, won't allow that. They've done, they've done too much work and and I think we all believe in that as well now. So, mate, all I'm thinking, the people hearing the kids in the background, you've got a front up for, especially now when you've been on the two day. I can see they've got a football in the back in the background. I didn't even think they had footballs in the part of Ireland where you've come from. Are they playing football? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to get them to kick ball around a little bit. But no, I was cool having the kids got to get on the pitch, and it was good for them, you know, because they're. Used to always be there in their Munster gear, going out to Munster games, and now they're wearing Harlequins kit, and they love it, you know. And you know that there's more money in football, right? So you're teaching them football early on. Very wise, very wise <laughs> as a father. Um, last thing we'll ask you, and obviously a, a good friend of yours, a guy that you played and, and coached, uh, Connor Murray's obviously been named as, as Lions captain. He wouldn't have wanted to get the armband in that way with Alan Jones missing out. But um, you know what a massive honour it is, and what can you see coming out of Connor Murray as skips that um, from a bit of inside knowledge that perhaps other people wouldn't be able to see. Connor is um, Connor is incredibly calm. 
he's an incredibly calm, personable guy. And um, he's, I, I think that people, people will want to support him. Like when Alan Wynn was there, like Alan Wynn has been, you know, he's, his leadership qualities are, are are phenomenal, and people can may may want to kind of stay in their lane a little bit and not and not jump in when he's there. But with, with Murray, I think like Connor's Connor, I think can galvanize a group because he's everyone is comfortable talking to him. Do you know what I mean? And uh, people will 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 sort of will will back him, really support him. Like everyone, it's not just going to be look. That's that's going to be Murray's job. He's the captain. He sorts it out. Like I think people will support him. He's got like having own Farrell in there. You know this. You know, there's, there's a lot of good leaders in that group. And I think that Murr will bring the best out of all of those guys rather than trying to be the, the dominant voice all the time. Well, Fla, we'll let you go, mate, because we'll let you keep sweating and, and, and sweat the fear out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, shouldn't be, right. there, there shouldn't be much fear, though. There shouldn't be much fear. Um, Just happiness. Congratula- yeah, exactly. Congratulations, mate. Uh, genuinely, hand on heart, it was class to, to see what you guys have done and the emotion around it and kind of brought back that, you know, reason why we love the game. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's been mm. a, a tough year for everyone and just to see that raw kind of emotion, for me personally, it was class. Thank you. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to be involved. Cheers, Mike. Thanks for coming on. All right, Top see you, boys. Take it easy. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Top bloke, top lad. Tell yeah, the bedlam that in the background. Tell the bedlam that. That is that is what you call fronting up. 
Yeah, there's bedlam, there's beer sweats, there's there wouldn't be like you said, there wouldn't be any beer fear because it's just beer celebrations. Yeah, but if you've got in at four or five in the morning, I don't know what you can and can't do. Uh, put your mask on, don't wear your mask, put it over your eye, put it on your throat. But it's obviously as a father, that's what it is. That what ladies and gentlemen, what you've just heard and what you've just witnessed is reality, right? In my house and most other people's Andrew's with the nanny slightly different, but you rock up, you got a bit of work, you want to come and chat about the podcast. You got the kids, son. You've been out on a jolly for the last two or three days. Jerry, I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you're an absolute legend. You've got the kids front up. But he was class, though, eh? Candid. Um, spoke about Guzzi as well. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you listen to him. And I don't know him that well. Um, but when you actually listen to it, I'm just trying to imagine being a player, being coached by him, because you kind of live and breathe every word he says then because he's he's you know he's articulate he's passionate you can see he understands what the club's been through and he said openly he was angry when Guzzi left you know he, he did, didn't think that was right but ultimately it was the 100% the right thing because they've all started to own their areas of, of coaching listen to Billy Millard his interview and he talked about going all the way back to what is the DNA of Harlequins 100 years ago and it was chucking the ball around having a bit of fun and playing the Quinn's way and you know for a monster man to come over who's so ingrained in what months to do and, and everyone's kind of thought process of what that should look like to go to Harlequins, the complete opposite and bring some strengths with you, but also understand a club's culture and identity and then add to it the way he has. I mean, it's a phenomenal signing by Guzzi, uh, but also since Guzzi's left, he's obviously done out of a job within that coaching team. And um, yeah, they fully deserve to be champions and he fully deserves to be hung over like you wouldn't believe and have the kids lobbed on him and said, they're all yours. They're all I'm yours. Deal with them for a couple of days. Yeah, like I love it. And interesting that he listens to the pod so we know that Jim's been giving them their team talks. Well, he it knows. is humble pie. It is humble pie. But you know what? It's like He said it himself. He said the perception and whatever it is, arrogance and swagger. And look, we're all watching it unfold, aren't we? Like what they did at the weekend and the week before is undeniable. There is no question marks. And I think it's really interesting listening to him talk about it and talk about bringing Owen Eastwood in, who I know. And, you know, he's got to be convinced that that's the way forward. You know, Guzzi leaving. Like we weren't happy about it. He weren't happy about it. But I think it's this journey that different people are on and understanding different ways to play. Like if I was a player... I would have hated to play the way that Harlequins play. But as yeah. a fan and in the media, there's no better team to watch, let's be honest. So it's part of, you know, it's opinion, isn't it? It's like, I love the way that Exeter play. A lot of people would find that quite boring, quite limiting. And it showed at the weekend. You talk, and we, again, we spoke about it, tweeted about it, about how good the Premiership's been. A large part of that is what Harlequins have done. Like to go 28-0 down against Bristol, who finished top of the league, to go through the season which, which they've gone through, the question marks around them, the question marks around Joe Marler, Mike Brown leaving, uh, you know, Danny Kerr, is he staying? Like all these different things. Marcus Smith, is he, you know, can he control a game? I'll tell you now, I'm happy to eat humble pie because I thought they were absolutely phenomenal at the weekend across the board. As soon as they started, and it was 10 minutes into the game, that their level of physicality that I've not seen, I was like, now, I'm telling you now, as an expert, that's what I'm saying to myself, that these lads have got a chance now because they're there. And you can see that they were laser-focused and they were on it. So I'm happy to be proven wrong. Look, I'm just a joker at the end of the day. Um, and I said it to Fla there. The emotion around it is genuine, isn't it? You can't fake emotion and the realities of what it's like to be a sportsman or a coach. Well, the funny thing is, Jim, you said then that you're a joker. 
Um, I don't know whether that was a play on words because the Harlequins, the Jesters and, and all the stuff that's in their history. But you wrote Quins off again. Didn't you say you'd get a Quins tattoo if they won the league? Last year. I said no. that to Joe Marler. Oh, come on. Last year. Imagine come that. Imagine, I, don't imagine. Think there was a time, I don't think there was a timestamp on it that said this season if you win it. I think it was a unlimited timestamp where it's if you win the league, I'll get a Quinn's tattoo. So I need to see it, Jim. Where's deny, it going? Deny, deny. It was you who said that. You're no. going to get a tattoo. <laughs> no, so. James. Well, Quinn's are the Premiership champions and we spoke last week about Saracens being back in the Premiership next season and we can have a chat now with the man who was their player of the season this year and has pretty much filled Jim's boots at Saracens and Scotland. Tim Swinson joins us. How are you, mate? Uh, good, thanks, Carl. <laughs> what an introduction. So when I made sure it was good. Did, did you feel pressure turning up to Saracens having, you know, been in the same changing room as me with Scotland, but then obviously knowing that you're going to have to go there and filled that player's player of the season should have been void that I left. Well, I had that worry going there, but as soon as I got there, they're like, yeah, don't worry about that. That guy, <laughs> who was he? He lived on a physio bed in the corner and finally got someone who's properly Scottish. Then they found out I grew up in London and they're like, well, yeah, you're just as bad as he is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is there any beef between you and Jim now? Because I feel it from Jim sometimes, nothing to do with the 2015 World Cup and the two-step lob, but he's now, you know, you've now <laughs> taken the mantle on as Saracens player of the season, an award that Jim never even got close to winning. I mean, to be honest, I feel like Jim's just a lot of aggression towards me. Like going back <laughs> five years, like even, I mean, it might just be that, you know, my body looks like it's in proportion as well. Like even going back further back like that, you know, no regrets about tattoos or anything. I don't have those yet. You know, it could be lots of things. Swino, but, let, let, but Swino, let's let's get the elephant out of the room because we do speak about it on here a lot. And this is something we haven't spoken about. Obviously, we've gone back and forth yeah. on message and congratulated you on your players' player of the season. Yeah. Um, in that get, well, let, let's not worry about you being on your honeymoon and going to the World Cup. That oh. that's a reflect that that's a reflection of Vern. Why in that game for everything that I taught you? Richie, all the other guys in that Scotland team was a two-step lob not called against Australia at the front of that line-out. Why are they not calling a two-step lob? Tell me. <laughs> Mate, I have no idea. I just remember seeing the ball go over Dent's hands or probably through them, to be completely honest. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Who's throwing to Dent's? Mate, I don't know, but that's a tough task, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a bit of a moment that I was just standing at the front and hopefully Vern doesn't get too mad at me, so... Don't point the finger at me. I need to know who called it. Who's going to take responsibility? Because Jim's banged on about it. He'd have called a two-step lob. Scotland would have been in the World Cup final. They'd have probably won it. And you'd have all been MBEs, OBEs, even knighthoods. Mate, you're saying that. But like my first cap, we're beating South Africa. Beating South Africa in South Africa at 65 minutes. Jim decides to try and start a fight with Eben Etzbeth. <laughs> loses. Gets your Almost killed him. <laughs> I mean, hey, you remember however you want to be. But then Jim got sent off. And that was us fucked, playing against 14 men. Not ideal. So he's really no, first cap. No. I'm not sure that Jim would be on the field at that point to do the two-step lob. Let's be honest. Swino, well, yeah. we, can, we, can, we can debate this uh, through the night, through the day. <laughs> Obviously, there's, there's a lot of water under the bridge now. I'm still hurting by that. But nonetheless, if, it would have been worse. If you all got MBEs and OBEs, I would have been even more devastated. So there's a part of me that's quite happy that a two-step lob wasn't called. You've been on the outside of the palace trying to get in there. 
So no, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, I'm Richie. I'm Richie. I'm, no, you're not. <laughs> no, that, that is my legacy, Swinner. But let's carry on talking you up then, because yeah. I thought you were retiring, right? I thought right, that I, I did. You, yeah, you finish it, and then next thing you end up Saracens dig them out of. It wasn't a hole. They were obviously going to come through, but you've ended up playing. And let's speak frankly, as well as you have done this season, in what's been a tough year. How's it all come about? Well, basically, like, yeah, I, ret- I retired. Like when COVID started, I pretty much knew I was going to retire at the end of the season, and then. I announced it, I think, at the end of May in 2020. And about four days later, Joe Shaw gave me a call. So he was my uni coach when I was younger. And then Peely was my uni coach and my academy coach. So I've known them for 15 years. I basically just came and said, oh, could you come and help out? We need numbers, obviously, with Will Skelton going to La Rochelle. Uh, Marrow being away for a long time. Like They're, they're short in the second row position. Uh, they were you weren't answering their calls so yeah I just basically was going there for a year and at one point we didn't think we were going to play a game of rugby uh, because of all the sort of season being pushed back and stuff but no it's just been great to be in there and I don't think I think some of the things I've done this year I don't think I had in me like a 45 meter touch finder from the 22 I didn't say didn't say that (laughs) I have no idea how it went so well. But I'm sure you'd be in a position with Faz standing next to you and you do something really fucking stupid on the pitch and he has a go at you. And I thought that was coming for me. You extend the deal. Has another house been thrown into the contract? Has Jim got a one-bedroom flat in Luton? You know what? You've got some amazing bay windows there. It looks like a lovely place. Maybe St Albans. Is it a two-bed you've got in St Albans that they gave you? Uh, This is uh, Scotland. This is up just outside (laughs) Stirling. That's why why there is more than two windows in the wall. No, so yeah, I'm I'm staying for another year down there. Um, I actually am living with my parents while I'm down there, and the family are staying in Scotland. So I, I commute from just outside Stirling down to St Albans. Tell them about that, uh, Swinner. Yeah. Let's speak frankly about it because obviously with the podcast, um, me and Goody have been going back and forth, you know, both personally and professionally around mm. Saracens, and obviously Goody's had his views on Saracens. Um, I've had my views on Saracens because of my experiences there. So as a player, having been on the outside of the Saracens uh, circle and now having the opportunity to go in and take aside everything that's happened, obviously the dues have been paid literally. What's it been like in that culture? Because a lot of people be like, oh yeah, whatever. It's kind of all smokes and mirrors. Can you just give us an insight in what it's, what it's like at the club? I know exactly what you mean. I've obviously played against them. And uh, you know, like when you're playing against them, when you're outside, you think they are right arseholes you know they've got such a tight-knit group and then you go in there and it's really abrasive you've got to be really good but like that community is amazing like we're talking from everyone from the youngest academy guy all the way up to the current british lions who are obviously in south africa now like we do everything together that when you when there is a team social way way back when like everyone's in it together everyone's going like the young guys come in, they're accepted, or you've got like the physios coming as well, the coaches, like everyone's doing everything together. And it's just a friendly community club. And yeah, it's been so much fun. I cannot tell you just how much more enjoyable the rugby is. It, it's tougher and more intense, but enjoyable all at the same time. And do they remember Jim fondly or is it, thank God you're here and not Jim Hamilton? I mean, well, Swino, before you answer that question... <laughs> No, no word of a lie. Apparently, Mark McCall, when it was coming for me signing for the club, he was def- desperate to get you. And you know, I convinced myself it's because they offered you twenty grand and they they offered me five five hundred grand, and that's the reason why he wanted you there. But um, 
any memories of me there? Do they do they speak about me honestly? Because I, I, I just think about them all the time. I mean, when I first arrived, you know, I, I'd been retired for four months, hadn't really done much training, and I got chucked straight into the middle of the sessions. And I think that's when they thought, oh, Jesus, we've got another gym. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but thankfully, a six-month pre-season, and I started to look like an athletic rugby player again, which has been five years missing for me. Um, but no, I think that they obviously, they, I think they see a lot of the sort of similarities, but there's obviously a bit of a difference between us. You can tell the story far better than I can. Um, but no, that, they mentioned, you, you know, I think I'm changing in the same spot as you are now in the changing room. Imagine the Sappuccinos that he's had there. Our nickname, right, is the Room of Bloom. It's our changing room. Apparently when it was Jim, it was the Room of Bloom. Yeah, it was. And that that wasn't me bringing that down. That was Kelly Brown. Let's get this out. That was basically where they said that the elephants go to die. And then lastly, Swino, uh, just obviously back in the Premiership now, uh, a lot's happened in the Prem. I don't know if you've watched it unfold. Uh, the level has gone through the roof. Uh, what's been said at the club, obviously, the makeup of the team is going to look slightly different uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, Rhodesy's now finishing up. Uh, yeah. There's a Lions tour. How, how are Saracens uh, building towards this Premiership season? Has it been spoken about the change in the Premiership and how good some of the teams are now? No, I don't think the change has yet been spoken about. I mean, obviously, we, we've just finished champ season. We're going back into, I think, starting the 26th of July for pre-season again. But yeah, it's it's going to be different. And you can see with Harlequins winning the style of rugby they're playing, it, the last two games, they look fantastic. Yeah, it's a breath of fresh air, really, for the way that they won the league. So it'll be good to be back. Thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. Best of luck in the Premiership next season. Yeah, cheers, mate. Good to be back after, I think, almost 10 years away. <laughs> Very true. From Newcastle back in the day. Hopefully, it'll be going a lot better than that. I remember we played in the LV Cup final. Uh, you you yeah. might remember it. I don't. Gloucester, the big one down at Northampton. And yeah. someone's hit that, this short line. I've put them into next week. And I just remember your head going into my nose. My nose is across my face. I didn't flinch. And uh, <laughs> then, I to, then I had to have my nose fixed in the summer. So I remember you playing for Newcastle with the white boots. Have you had your nose, nose fixed? Oh yeah, no, I don't speak about. It. Yeah, I don't speak about it. You know, it's just just got on with it, Swino. Can you imagine uh, but... working with this clown every week, mate? It's hard work, isn't it? <laughs> I feel for you. Uh, uh, cheers, Swino, mate. Well no, done as Jim. well on players' player of the season. There's no better accolade is that. No, so it's... cheers, mate. Great, top okay. lad. He was shitting himself, weren't he? He was shitting himself. <laughs> Basically, every story that you have told me about Tim Swinson and how you used to dominate everything. He's come on the pod here and he's dominated you in every facet. I have never said that I have dominated Tim Swinson. All I've ever said is that if it was me in that quarterfinal, I would have thrown to the bloke. He was stood there at <laughs> the front of the line out unmarked and yeah. I would have had the trust, I would have had the decency and I would have had the bollocks to shout two-step lob on Swino and no one else did. Let's have a chat about the England squad now because England A were due to play Scotland A at Welford Road on Sunday, but it was cancelled on the morning of the game because of a number of positive COVID tests in the Scotland camp. And Eddie Jones has now changed his squad around. So what do you make of the squad to face the USA and Canada? All I'm saying is poor Chris Wiles, who's going over to help SOS the US team. I actually hope the USA team rock up. I'm a massive fan of them. But I look at this England squad and... I know that there's a lot of lads in the British and Irish Lions squad, so it's hard to see who would have been in, who would have been out. There's a couple of them that I think are in now, uh, in, in. Marcus Smith, I think he's a starting in, 10 now. In, 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 in. For England. I think he's in. Like my mentor Warren Gatlin said, 
the headline one out of the forwards is Jack Kenningham. Um, tweeted yeah. about it last week out of nowhere, and he is. If you've not watched him play, and you don't, and you're watching everything going on in the backs and stuff like that, watch this lad hit a man. My Phenomenal. goodness me! Yeah, my goodness me. So with him and you know Lewis Ludlow and Lewis Ludlum, you know Sam Underhill. My goodness me! You you, you talk about strength and depth. England have got it in abundance, and I think there's a load of players. Harry Wells at Leicester. We didn't even mention him when the squad was coming out, but he's been brilliant quality throughout. Yeah, I'm really chuffed for Kenningham because he's he's been phenomenal uh, for Harlequins. He, his tackle rate is just ridiculous. Joe Marchant, I think, has been really good for Quinns. Mentioned it earlier. Deserves a shot. Dan Kelly, really excited to see how he goes at 12. You know, England are crying out for, you know, another option to the forward Farrell axis at 10-12. And if Dan Kelly or Ollie Lawrence can put their best foot forward in the centres, that'd be great. Max Malins has torn up trees, hasn't he, for for Bristol's this year before he goes back to Saracens. So, yeah, I mean, really exciting. Um, Henry Slade, the only extra chief in there. I know there's a few boys on the Lions trip, but um, yeah, at nine, Harry Randall, Dan Robson. Um, I know uh, Alex Mitchell's in there as well, but for me, that battle with those two, Randall's played exceptionally well for for Bristol's when he's got chance. So, um, yeah, I mean, like Jim said, there is strength in depth. And I said it before, Eddie, you pick these boys because they're exciting. You watch the Premiership final, hopefully, you saw how Marcus Smith played. You saw how Joe Marchant played and these guys. And, you know, you, you look across the talent in that back line. Max Ajomo, you know, the couple of snippets that people have watched him play for Bath towards the end of the year. Really good player. Really loads of ability, you know, confident. Chuck the ball out the tackle. Lovely seeds over the top. This is an opportunity to restart Eddie Jones, how you coach a team, how you set up a team, how you let a team play and build towards letting these young kids just express themselves on the field. And then the other headline is Don Brandt, Alex Don Brandt. Oh, my lines. He looks lean. He looks fit. And again, you, you, you think of Sam Simmons, you know, Don Brandt. Obviously, Billy's not been playing as well as he has been. He's going to be under pressure now. Could you play Don Brandt as well as um, Curry and as well as Underhill and as well as Simmons. I mean, my goodness me, the, the names are unreal, but I can't wait to see Don Brandt in England shirt. Right, well, should we finish things off the good, the bad and the ugly? We're going to start with a bit of a Lions theme and a few boys all scoring on their Lions debuts. Ty Byrne, Duan van der Merwe and Josh Adams uh, with tries on debut against Japan. Uh, we'll go over to France now and the top 14 final. Toulouse have done the double. Not only have they won the Champions Cup, but they've gone and won the Bouclier de Brenus, the top 14 final on Friday evening. And Chesney Colby with a lazy 50-metre drop goal. Oh, my word. Like, just ridiculous. But congratulations to Toulouse, their 21st league title, and they won a rare domestic and European double that a few of us have done, haven't they, Jim? Uh, also, a tip of the slipper within that team, Jerome Kano ending his career on a massive high. What else was good? I want to mention in the guru this week, a lad called Sam Leeming, who is a Jersey Reds rugby player, fly half actually, looks in really good nick. The amazing news is he's just been given the all clear to return to rugby training after missing last season when he was diagnosed with a rare form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, He had a tumour removed from his chest, which measured 16 centimetres, followed by six rounds of chemotherapy. So he's back at Jersey Reds. And it's such a good story outside of the highlights of the Premiership and, and European rugby and all these things that we watch week in, week out to see that someone's battled through that. Uh, and he's back, hopefully, to play rugby for the Jersey Reds next year. So well done, Sam Leeming. Uh, what else was good? Uh, we're going to go back to the Lions. 
we mentioned the try scorers, but Dan Bigger, MOM, is Mrs. Bakes Unbelievable Cakes. We're still waiting for a delivery. She listens to the podcast. Dan Bigger gets a mention. Man of the match in the Lions game against Japan. Uh, so well done him. But finally, the good this week can only go to one place, young James Hamilton. You are now a new Harlequins fan. We're going to start off with Lewis Liner, youngest ever Premiership final try scorer and scoring two of them. Uh, great scenes with his dad as well, that hug and the emotion poured out of that. That was great to see. But Harlequins yeah. came from nowhere to win their first title since 2012. Hell of a story. The semi-final win last weekend. Joe Marler's tap tackle, everything about the performance, the game, the way they played it, uh, the Harlequins way. Everyone can see what the club's about now. From the top at Billy Millard, who's a lovely bloke. The coaches, we've had two of them on over the last couple of weeks in Nick Evans and Jerry Flannery. Um, a fantastic outfit, a fantastic bunch of people. They've been on like a four-day bender, so I'm sure they'll be listening to this absolutely hungover. This week can only go to one place, and that is the Harlequins. Air, air. We did it. There we go, Jim. Uh, bad news. A um, couple of bits of bad. Firstly, the positive COVID cases in both the Scotland and South Africa camps. Um, which has put a bit of a dampener on the start of the Lions tour and question marks surrounding that. So we hope everyone is on the road to recovery and uh, fully recovers. Uh, but hopefully that is the end of COVID cases in South Africa camp. Um, the bad this week, unfortunately, goes to the injuries to the two Lions stalwarts, Alan Wynne jones and Justin Tipperick. Uh, they don't even get on the plane to South Africa, unfortunately, because of the injuries they picked up against Japan at the weekend. So uh, massive bad luck to them. So unfortunately, that gets the bad this week. The ugly gym. Well, you mentioned it earlier. That great country that you live in. Yeah. Why is that? What's Scotland, ugly? Scottish rugby, Murrayfield. You're all going to be encapsulated into the ugly this week because you ran out of beer at the Lions game. You've had oh my. months and months and months to prepare for this game. Cup final. Cup final. It's your cup final. And by half time, it was announced that the bars wouldn't be reopening because they had unprecedented pre-game sales and some of the experience around queuing and social distancing was criticised as well but more importantly the stadium ran out of beer before half time Scotland Rugby Murrayfield in fact Scotland and Nicola Sturgeon you are getting the ugly this week because that is an absolute <laughs> disgrace no one should run out of beer especially a Lions game especially before half time let's put it on record Andrew let's get it on record before you say Scotland you get the ugly let's put it on record we didn't run out of whiskey though the famous grouse, we were there. There yeah. was unlimited bottles of the famous grouse there. So whatever your drinker choice is, you know, I wouldn't recommend drinking the famous grouse before 12 o'clock. Um, not that people were drinking other things before 12, but we didn't run out of whiskey. And that would be even uglier. But I agree with you. Who runs out of beer? Who runs out? Scotland, you're a disgrace. That's why you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you, lads? Yeah, I've got a couple of shout-outs. So the first one is a big shout-out to the Tartaneers, who are a couple of guys doing 12 marathons in 12 days, all in aid of Marie Curie uh, and Make Seconds Count. They've raised over £30,000 already, and you can check them out on social media. Of course you can. That's the place to go, at Tartaneers. And you can see what they're getting up to and see if you would like to donate and get behind them. 12 marathons in 12 days. That's a hell of an effort. So uh, good luck yeah, to I did guys. Say, I, I did say 12 marathons in, tw in 12 days, but just like as in as if it was nothing. 12 yeah. marathons <laughs> in 12 days. <laughs> tell Sometimes the you can that. just read it. I know. Tell the feet that. Yeah, big shout out to them. And a shout out to Neve from her husband, Michael Tate. 
Uh, apparently, she's a massive fan of the pod and has been working on the front line during the COVID pandemic for the NHS, even when she was pregnant. Despite some serious scares at work, she has just given birth to their son, Orin. She went through 20 hours of labour with no sleep and came out smiling at the end. And Jim, you've got one more? Yeah, I have, yep. So the Navy rugby got in contact. Don't you love a little bit of the armed forces um, getting involved in all this? And this is a shout out to Lieutenant Dane. It's not, it's Lieutenant Commander Doc Cox. It's the UK Armed Forces Director of Ruggers, uh, who is cycling from the NHS Louise Jordan in Glasgow to the NHS Nightingale in London via all the other Nightingale hospitals, which were obviously put up for the COVID crisis that we've been in. And it's for and to raise money for the soldiers, sailors, airmen and families association and NHS charities. He's carrying a World War One lamp, Andrew, as a symbol of the great work done by the NHS during the pandemic. And they're carrying that for the 850 kilometre ride. You can support Dr. at um, the UK Virgin Money Giving.com forward slash DOR Nightingale Challenge. Just people doing great things, Andrew. They are a hell of an effort. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and head on over to Spotify and we'll see you there. We back, Rugby Spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.